make sure that you're not putting this pressure or this set amount of time that you need to kind of make these things happen in and allow your life to flow a little bit more. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Wholehearted Glow podcast. It is the end of 2020. Can you believe it? I am your host, Blaise Collette, and I am so excited that you're here today. If this is your first time to the podcast, welcome. We talk about all things lifestyle, balance, fitness, exercise, nutrition, and so much more. And I'm really happy that you decided to join. And if you've been here for a while, welcome back. Yeah, so we're looking at the end of the year, the end of 2020. What a transformational time this has been. And it's been really transformational for me in a lot of ways, and I'm sure for you as well. The biggest thing that I think has shifted in my life this year that I've been working on for a few years, but I've made some really big mindset shifts is in my mindfulness practices. So today I wanted to share with you 10 mindfulness practices that will allow for more balance and more peace in your life. And I think that this is really important in this time, especially with the coronavirus, because I feel sometimes like I'm constantly on edge and it's hard for me to not want to like freak out that things aren't going the way I want or freak out because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Um, I wanted to share that with you. So these are some practices that I personally have curated over the past year since the start of 2020. And they've really helped me to settle into myself more and to create that more balanced mindset. Because as many of you know, if you know me, I am very all or nothing. It's like we are doing this or we're not, right? There's just no in-between. So balance is finding that line in between and walking it with grace. So The very first thing that I want to speak about is nailing your morning routine. So this is number one. It's like when you wake up, you don't want to constantly go into that stressful mindset, right? Of like, oh my God, I have so many things to do. I have all of these things I need to accomplish. I have my to-do list. I got to take care of my kids. I got to make my breakfast. I got to brush my teeth, right? How can we nail our morning routine so that when we wake up, we feel grounded, calm, and collected because that is the type of thing that if we can nail that in the morning, it's going to help so, 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 so much with what we're doing for the rest of the day. So for me, I've been really focusing on the following, right? And it doesn't have to be this wild, crazy, ritualistic morning routine that takes you forever. My morning routine takes me about eight to nine minutes. So the first thing I do is I get out of bed. I make my bed. Whoa. Except for if I'm in those moods. Do you ever get in those moods where you're like, Ugh, I am not making my bed today and no one can tell me otherwise. I was in that mood last week. And um, can you relate? I was like, I'm not doing this. And I would just stare at my bed every day, just being stubborn. But whenever I make it, I always feel so much more cool, calm, and collected. Then I scrape my tongue and brush my teeth. So tongue scraping is a great way to take a look at 
If you have any additional toxins in the body, if you feel that your body needs to expel anything, a lot of that is demonstrated and shown on the tongue. And when we sleep, we collect a lot of that bacteria and it comes up from the body and in the mouth. So tongue scraping is a great way to expel that. It's literally about a $10 investment at your local natural grocery store. I'm sure they would have a tongue scraper or online, but I'm trying not to order from Amazon as much these days, though I did just purchase a few things because I have a really big trip coming up. More on that in the near future. But yeah, so you can get that at your local grocery store. So I do the tongue scraping, then I brush my teeth, and then... I get into my warm water situation. So I just pour some nice warm water. If I have the time and I'm feeling fancy, I will put some lemon juice in there. And then of course, after that, coffee. But all of these things, they don't take me that long. And when I do them in order, I know that sounds kind of weird, but when I do them in order, it helps me to stay focused. Because if you're like me and you're ADD at all, or you struggle with keeping your attention focused, sometimes I have gone through phases where I will literally be trying to do four parts of my morning routine at one time. Like I'll be making my bed while brushing my teeth (laughs) and brewing the coffee. And so I've really been focusing on this year, just doing each thing consecutively after the other. And then once you do that, like I said, it's about eight to nine minutes. And then after that, if you have a little bit of time to meditate, that's also a great way to set a positive intention for the day. And if you don't have time to meditate, taking maybe three or four minutes just to see how you're feeling, right? I used to go through these like phases in my life where I wasn't really checking in with myself about my feelings. I was just kind of like, I'm good. Let's wake up. Let's get to it. Let's go. Right. Um, but recently I have been really focusing on tuning into my emotions and my feelings. So when I wake up after I complete my morning routine, I'll ask myself, how am I feeling today? Like, what's my mood? Did I have any dreams that were a little startling? I've been going through a lot of kind of crazy dream things happening. So being really connected to that. So that's number one, nail your morning routine. Okay. Number two, take some pressure off of your life. Now, if you tend to be a little bit hard on yourself, I'm right there with you. I understand. I was kind of like my own worst critic and enemy for a long time, especially in my career, because I was like, I have to be putting the hammer down at all times, pushing myself at all times, and nothing else matters other than that. So what I was doing was I was basically putting so much pressure on myself that it was sucking energy and life out of all the other areas of my life because it kind of felt like I had like a hammer on my back is the best way to describe it. Like it felt like there was just like this hammer right on my back. And if I took one second to breathe, the hammer was just going to go onto my back. And I really had to spend a lot of time getting clear on why that was happening, which I realized was because of excess stress. And also how the fuck was I going to get rid of this pressure on my life? So I really recommend that you take a scan of the following areas of your life, your work or career, your personal relationships, whether it be with a partner or with your friends, your meditation practice or any type of mindfulness practice that you have and your fitness. So 
sometimes, even if it's not work, it could be that you're putting all this pressure on your relationship or you're putting pressure on yourself. Oh, I need to meditate. Oh, I need to go to yoga. Oh, I need to stretch more. Or, oh, I need to be exercising. I need to be hitting the gym every single day, right? When we put that intense pressure down, sometimes it can have the adverse effect. So what's really brought me more more balance is pulling that pressure off and understanding what I actually need in order to feel really good for the day. So for me, recreating my work-life balance, which I talked about in the last episode is, and I spoke on this very much in detail. So if you're curious about this, think about working backwards from the lifestyle that you would like to have. That's a great way to pull some of that pressure off and to kind of frame your life in a perspective that's going to allow you to create it in a way that feels good and doesn't feel like you have this hammer down all the time. Right. And yeah, especially with your mindfulness practice, meditation or yoga or going to a class that's nice and relaxing, whatever it is, you know, watching a a yoga video at home, make sure that you're not putting this pressure or this set amount of time that you need to kind of make these things happen in and allow your life to flow a little bit more and pulling some of that pressure off. Even if you're like, okay, well, I'm really focused on work right now and I'm really focused on my relationship. Maybe you can pull some pressure off of your exercise, right? Or maybe you can pull some of that stress of eating off of your nutrition and see how that changes your perspective on these different areas of your life so that you're not going at everything with such a high volume of intensity and pressure that you're feeling burnt out, right? Because you know I'm anti-burnout because I've been there. It sucked. It was not fun. And I am here on the other side to tell you there is a way. Okay. So that was number two. Here's number three. This is a really hard one for me because of being a trainer and only having time when I was working a lot to eat standing up. Okay. So it is to eat sitting down and make sure you're not feeling stressed when you eat. So if you like to cook, you might find yourself eating a little bit as you're cooking and that's okay. And I definitely do that. But the challenge with doing that is that it doesn't allow the body to start to prepare and to start to digest your food accurately, or I guess I should say effectively, because you're standing and you're not really sitting down to enjoy the meal. So when you eat sitting down, it allows your body to say like, okay, like I'm taking in this food, I'm smelling it, I'm tasting it, I'm chewing it. And when you're sitting down, you're more mindful. And this also is really beneficial when you're not on your screens. I think sometimes because of the culture that we're living in, depending on your living situation as well, and also with coronavirus, it's easy to just look at your phone while you're eating because that's what you do, right? Put the phone in your bedroom or put the phone face down and just eat as you feel ready and enjoy your food and allow yourself to just take in the food you're eating. I think 
We really need to connect to what we're consuming, why we're consuming it, and be grateful for our food too. I mean, this doesn't have to come down to a religious practice at all. This can come down to practicing authentic gratitude for the food that's in front of you because the reality is there are so many people in the world that just don't have that access to food and don't have access to healthy food. So if you're able to sit down and eat a healthy meal, either by yourself or with your family, take a moment to be grateful for that. It's such a gift and doing that in a mindful way makes all the difference and it really will shift your body composition because if you're eating sitting down and you're eating kind of slow and just mindfully, it doesn't really matter what it is. You're going to be able to understand when you're full, when you're satiated and when you're like, okay, I'm good. I don't need anything else. Right. Instead of just inhaling a shit ton of food and then feeling like absolute trash after you eat. So that's number three, eat sitting down. Number four, this is one of my favorites. Allow your meditation practice to be unique to you. So I resisted meditation for a long time because I thought that it had to feel a certain way or look a certain way. I thought my brain had to be completely empty. I thought I had to sit upright. I thought I had to breathe a certain way. Can anyone relate? But what I realized was I was getting to a point in my life about a year and a half ago where I really needed to continue or to build in these mindfulness practices. And I knew I needed to meditate, but I didn't really know like where to start. And I just knew I needed it. So because at that time I was really struggling mentally and just going through a lot of trauma, I was like, I can't be upright for this. I need to be laying down. So you might meditate sitting upright and that's great. But when I meditate, I'm laying down. I close my eyes. I put my legs up the wall because that really relaxes me and reverses the blood flow in my body, which is really beneficial for your uh, circulation. And that's how I meditate. I listen to the Calm app and it's just gentle rainfall. And there's a guided, a little bell that rings every five minutes to make sure I'm kind of staying awake or staying somewhat conscious. And that's how I meditate. Sometimes I meditate in other ways, but I think it's really important to make sure your meditation practice is unique to you, right? It's like maybe you like sitting up and having a candle lit and having your crystals out or breathing in a certain way. Whatever it looks like, there's no right or wrong way to do it, right? What's most important is that you're taking that time for stillness in your day. If it's five minutes, great. If it's 30 minutes, great take the pressure off yourself and allow yourself to just feel into your body. That's what the stillness is for. So I was speaking with one of my friends. We went for a run out in Montana and we were talking about meditation and I was like, yeah, for me, meditation, and this is really personal, but we were basically speaking and I was telling him, meditation is really painful for me. It's a lot better now, but what it kind of does is it unlocks these areas in my body or my mind that are closed off and then things come flooding in. So when I'm feeling 
when I'm getting into this meditative state, it's like, yes, my brain is slowing down and I'm not necessarily thinking as much, but I'm getting a lot of visuals and a lot of things are coming up for me. And yeah, so we were talking and he was like, yeah, well, apparently there are a lot of monks that speak on this idea of like allowing your meditation to be a time where you do process to the point where you've processed enough. Like, let's say you keep going back and back and back, right? So maybe you're processing something that happened two years ago. And then after that, you're like, okay, now I'm processing something that happened in high school or some breakup, whatever it may be. Then you start getting into inner child work and shadow work, which is a whole nother thing I'd really love to speak with you on. We'll talk about that soon. And then you start kind of going all the way back. And once you've processed through all of that, then you can kind of process the things that just happened in the most most recent future. And then you get to a point where every day you're you're getting more of a clean slate And I think that's a really cool idea and way to perceive your practice so that it doesn't feel like you have to sit in a quiet room and everything to just be perfectly silent and to never have anything come up. So just make sure it's really unique to you and release any dogma around, oh, I meditate or, oh, I sit still and everything's so calm because the reality is you're still a human. I'm still a human. You can have every mindfulness practice in the world and still go through challenges and still feel pain and that's okay. All right. Number five, catch your impulsive behaviors or take note of them as they're beginning to happen and do that so that you can start to eliminate those impulsive behaviors from your life. So I used to struggle with binge eating and I didn't even realize I was doing it because I had no mindfulness techniques. I basically was just like, I would deplete myself to the point of feeling extremely, extremely hungry. And then I would come home and eat until I like had to lay down or be basically like bent over in fullness, I guess I should say that uncomfortably full feeling. And that is no way no. Right. So what I learned through meditating more and through some of the practices that I have uh, mentioned before this one is You've got to catch your impulses as they're kind of coming in and be the observer of what your monkey brain, as they call it, is trying to do, right? Your monkey brain is like your ego brain. It wants the instant gratification. It wants the pleasure. It wants to like feel validated. It wants to just do whatever the fuck it wants, right? But we have to keep a rein on that more impulsive side of ourselves. At least I know I do. So what I started doing was I started noticing like, where am I being impulsive in my life? And one that I'm really working on right now is through electronics. So like, I feel that we're living in this checking culture where like, we have to check our email. We have to check our Facebook. We have to check our Instagram. We have to check Facebook groups. We have to check this. We have to check that. And it gets to the point where it's like, how many things are we checking a day? And so what I noticed was that impulsiveness through my electronic consumption or through the things I was doing on my phone and my computer and my iPad uh, made me feel more drawn to be impulsive in other areas of my life, financially, in personal close relationships, 
in eating if I was stressed because it's like instead of taking a step back, I was just kind of like jumping and running towards the next thing, which means that obviously I wasn't being present. And that's not really beneficial for anyone because it's so important to stay present in the moment and to stay present in our lives. So maybe there are a few areas of your life or there are even a few actions that you know are impulsive for you. How can you create a level of awareness for those actions so that you can see like, huh, this is what's happening and I really need to pull this in. So for me, I knew I was getting extremely impulsive with like checking my Instagram, for example. So I was like, I'm not doing Instagram, like I'm doing a detox right now. I'm trying to do a full month. And I'm like, you know what? This might hurt my business. It might be challenging, but this is what I need to do. Another thing I noticed was I was anticipating my workouts a lot. So as you guys know, I am a personal trainer and a nutrition coach. So I do a lot of exercise. It's pretty much all I do. I love it. I totally enjoy it. But There was a point where I just didn't want to even be present in the workout and I was just kind of looking forward to the workout being over as opposed to just enjoying the journey of the workout, right? And it's like they say, life is a journey, not a destination. But think about that in relation to your impulses because the impulse is the brain's desire to not be in the moment and to just blaze through, blaze through, blaze through, blaze through whatever thing you're trying to avoid. But if you can sit behind that and find a level of awareness behind whatever your impulsive behaviors are, it's going to help you be so much more mindful. So that's number five. Okay. Number six, let's talk about intuitive eating. I really want you to continue to implement this in your life. I spoke about this when I spoke about, um, how to shift your body composition two episodes ago, but I want to dive into this. So I always thought intuitive eating was just like bullshit. People were saying it was almost like they were just two loaded words that had a bunch of meaning behind them, but it didn't make any sense to me. And I was like, well, what is intuitive eating? Okay. So basically it's the very simple concept of, am I hungry or am I not hungry? And I think for a long time, I was so cut off from my real hunger symbols or signals in my body that I didn't know if I was hungry or not. Like I really couldn't tap into what my desire for food was at the time. And if you're struggling with eating or you're struggling with losing weight, I will tell you that unless you heal your relationship with food, there is just no way that you're going to see the desired result that you are looking for. And when I say heal your relationship with food, I mean release the emotional hold that food can have on you. So it started really, really small for me. I basically identified my triggers, which I spoke about, like I said, in that previous episode. I identified my food triggers and then I was like, I'm not having these things in the house because they provide that emotional response in my brain that isn't going to be good for me. So that was step one. And then step two was like, once I removed the stuff that caused me to emotionally eat, then I was able to eat only when I was hungry because food became fuel instead of food becoming a way for me to numb the emotions that I was feeling, right? So we don't need that much food. I was listening to a, uh, a speaker 
who is this guy who is a surfer in Portugal and he surfed the world's largest wave. I believe it was in 2019. And he was talking about how, you know, he needed to be in really incredible shape to do these big wave surf competitions and in order to train for these. So obviously he needed to be lean and fit and capable of completing these challenges. And one of the things he said that I took away from it is he was like, you don't really need that much food to get by in your life. Do you need to eat and fuel yourself accordingly to your goals and to your fitness? Yes. He's like, but just drink some water if you feel like maybe you need some food. And then after that, see how you feel. Right. And I thought that that was a really great anecdote to think about, right? Like when we're intuitively eating, we're understanding that we don't necessarily need to eat three meals a day if that doesn't work for us. We don't necessarily need to eat two meals a day if that doesn't work for us, right? It's like your body is different than my body is different than your mom's body. So why are we all trying to subscribe to, well, you have to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and these are the things that you need to eat when the reality is there are so many different ways that you can go about it. So take that time to tap into, are you hungry? Yes or no? Because when you take that time to think about it, you will be able to easily figure out whether you are hungry or not and then eat accordingly, right? So it's like another thing I do to help myself stop or to keep myself from overeating is if I feel that I'm starting to get full, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to wash the dishes. And you know, I live alone basically. Well, I have a roommate, but I eat a lot of meals alone. So I'll wash my dishes and then I'll go into my room, relax, maybe go for a walk, sit outside. And then if I'm still hungry, 15 minutes later, okay, great. I'll eat more. But you don't have to eat so, so, so much food at the one time of day that you're able to eat or whatever it may be. So tap into that intuitive eating. It's a simple yes or no. Are you hungry? Or are you not hungry? And go from there. Okay. Number seven. Screen time equals zero in the morning and in the night. And what can we do to replace it? So let's talk about it. I, in my Instagram detox, have realized that I do not need to be checking my phone right when I wake up and putting those very harmful blue light, uh, that very harmful blue light all over my face in the morning when I wake up. What I need to be doing is checking in, like I said, with how I'm feeling for the day, what my morning routine is going to be, et cetera, et cetera. So when you wake up, I challenge you to start replacing that habit because I know we all do it, right? Um, of checking your smartphone to doing something that is just going to feel better for you. So, you know, if it's getting right into your morning routine, like we spoke about in number one, great. If you feel like it's going to be better for you to maybe just journal or whatever it may be, that would be my recommendation as well. And then at night, 
another great opportunity with this is to recap how you're feeling at the end of the day, right? Even if it's only two to three minutes, because I feel that we spend a lot of time on our phones consuming, consuming, consuming content, but we're not really taking a lot of time for reflection, ideas, and creation. And those are things that are really important to me. So I'm trying to foster more of that into my life. So I found that having a journal to write my thoughts and feelings and ideas in, in the morning and on and at night has been a great way to limit my screen time and it helps me to sleep deeper as well. So let's say, all right, you're like, Blaze, I got my morning routine down. I meditated a few minutes. Now what? I've got a few extra minutes in the morning. Okay. So this is where you could continue to keep the screen time off and to, like I said, work on your journaling, or if you want to do something else, perhaps some movement, perhaps a little bit of stretching, whatever it may be, I highly recommend it. And an easy hack for this, if you feel that you're very tempted by your smartphone, because I know we all are, is to simply put your phone on airplane mode. Because when it's on airplane mode and the Wi-Fi is off, there's really only so much you can do on it. And then you're like, okay, I'm bored. And then you'll put the phone down and you will find yourself doing something else. Reading is a great great option as well. Okay. Number eight, one of my favorite mindfulness practices is to let your workout move you. Let it be your meditation. So of course we have, you know, stillness and meditation and that's great, but you know what else is really cathartic and really beneficial and really relaxing for me is finding movement practices that I feel really good while I'm doing that allow me that time and space to reflect and be mindful and look back on my choices and my decisions and things that are happening. So running has always been a huge one for me ever since I was 14. When I was 14, I learned how to run and I learned how to run in the woods of Maine with my cross country coach and my team. And we never had phones out there. We just, we would leave them in the locker room, I guess, and run out into the woods and we'd be out there for an hour, hour and a half. And though the running was really painful when I first learned how to do it, like I'm just so grateful that I've had running in my life for so long, like over 10 years. And it's always been, I guess, an escape in a way, but also a time to reflect. So if there's a way that you can find something that feels so good to you to move your body, then do it. For some people, it's dance. I used to teach dance classes. That was a huge moving meditation for me. Trying to think of other ones that you may enjoy. Swimming, oh my gosh, that is 100% presence because when you're swimming, you cannot even bring your phone. You cannot bring anything. And swimming in the ocean or if you don't have access to the ocean, Swimming in a pool is great as well. I know it's chlorinated, but it's just a great time to check in with yourself. Let your workouts pull you and move you in a way that feels really, really good in your body and in your mind. I promise it's going to make a huge, huge, huge difference in your life because you're going to start to look forward to it instead of it being like, oh, fuck, I have to go to the gym and lift weights. Okay, well, maybe lifting weights isn't going to feel good for you, right? I personally love lifting, but I don't do it for a mindfulness practice. I do it for my strength and for my mental strength. So I do it for physical and mental strength. But 
if we're talking about mindfulness practices, find like slower or should I say less abrasive movements, modalities, you know, yoga is a great one as well that allow you to feel inspired, give you that time to reflect and give you that time to be mindful and check in with yourself. Okay. Two more. Number nine, practice an abundance mindset so that you're less prone to being impulsive and you can feel more mindful overall. So I think that sometimes when we're very, very stressed, well, at least I know that when I'm very stressed, my body and my mind go into this fight or flight response where oh shit, I got to get everything done. Oh my God, I have this call and I'm so nervous about it. Or I don't know if this is going to happen or maybe I'm going to lose this thing or whatever it may be, right? It's it's a lack mentality. It's thinking, okay, if this doesn't work out, I'm fucked. If this doesn't work out, I'm screwed. And it's a mentality that I have realized subscribes to a narrative in which I am not enough and what I am doing is not enough. And I need you and I need me to continue to work on letting this go so that we can feel more abundant in our mindset of there's plenty of energy to go around. There's always plenty of work to go around. There are plenty of things that everyone can be doing to contribute to the world. Practice this abundance mindset and be literally flabbergasted at the things that flow to you without even trying. I personally, like I used to push so hard and I know I've spoken on this, but when I stopped pushing and I just allowed myself some space to receive, everything shifted for me, especially in my career with training and coaching my clients. The people that started coming to me were people that were really serious about their goals. And also with personal relationships, um, instead of forcing myself to try to mold into who I thought someone would want me to be. I allowed myself to sit in my own abundance of who I actually am and what I bring to the table. Because I think especially if you're a woman listening or if you're a man, we're just like taught in our society that we're supposed to never be enough and nothing we ever do is going to be enough. And we're never going to be pretty enough or attractive enough or skinny enough or smart enough or successful enough, right? It's like the list goes on. When you sit in your own abundance of like who you are and what you bring to the table, you're going to feel so much more like at ease with your life. And then you're not going to want to be impulsive, which is the opposite of being mindful, which is going to change your life. So focus on that abundance mindset. And if that's challenging for you and you have a lot of limiting beliefs, I recommend writing down what those beliefs are that are blocking you from feeling abundance, which is just feeling like the things that are meant for you are going to come to you. And let me let you in on a little secret. Your gifts and your strengths are not going to leave you. This is one that I'm working on, right? Like I used to think, oh my God, the rug is going to get pulled out from underneath me at any moment. Okay. That's just me thinking that my gifts and my talents and my strengths are just going to abandon me, right? No, they're not. Like they're there for you and they'll always be there for you. So you need to learn to trust yourself. And I'm here to tell you that it is 
possible. Okay, the last one is to prioritize being mindful of your gratitude practices, right? So it's like when I was struggling with depression, I kind of got to this cruxing point where I realized I had a huge lack of actual gratitude in my life. Like I would say, oh, I'm so grateful for this or I'm so grateful for this. But like deep down, I wasn't. Like I wasn't grateful because I was cynical and bitter and angry and upset with a few different things that were going on in my life. So when I shifted my mindset towards gratitude and I started putting my life in a larger perspective of not just me, but everyone around me, I started to feel so much more grateful and it really changed my perspective and allowed me to cultivate more of a feeling of just genuine happiness. So think about what you are grateful for and watch everything shift. And if you can't think about it and stay focused on it, write it down. Another thing that you can do to practice gratitude is to give to others that aren't able to give right now. So for me, I live in downtown Miami now and there's a really bad homeless uh, problem in our city. And I just decided I had all this extra stuff I was giving away and normally I would go to Goodwill or... I would go to the Salvation Army and I was like, I am just at this point in my life where I want to go to the source of the problem. So I just started walking downtown a few blocks away from where I live and just giving things to the homeless people there. And it has been a great practice for me to actually be grateful for what I have and also be grateful that I can give because there have been times in my life where I could not give. Or there have been times in my life where I did not have the ability to give to other people in the capacity that they needed. So if you're able to help others, even if it's something so small as getting some extra food from your house and bringing it to someone in need, it takes 10 minutes depending on where you live or 20 minutes probably max to find someone that would benefit from your help. And it will make you feel so grateful for your life. Not because, oh, my life is better than someone else's, but more just like, oh, this is something I can do to connect to another person and they're going to feel good. I'm going to feel good. And the world is just going to elevate a little bit higher to something better. So those are my top 10 mindfulness practices in order to bring more balance into your life. I really hope that they were beneficial and that they bring a little bit of clarity on how you can be more mindful because I think sometimes it's just a buzzword and we don't really understand like, okay, what are the actual practices that we can implement in order to feel more balanced and to not be so impulsive in a world and in a culture that is very impulsive. So that's that. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to share it with a friend, just share it with them via text message or send them a link or an email and maybe they can work on being mindful too. I would 
totally appreciate it. And as always, if you have any questions about your health and fitness or your nutrition, you can always reach out to me on my link tree on Instagram at wholehearted underscore glow. I would love to speak with you. Even if you're just like, Hey, I heard about this one thing, or I, I did this mindfulness practice and this is what happened. Like just DM me and let me know because we can talk about it and keep that dialogue open. It's a conversation and I love having these conversations with you. And if you feel called to write a review, please do on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And other than that, I am sending you positive, positive, positive vibes for the rest of 2020. Lots of big things on the horizon at Wholehearted Glow. And I want you to live authentically and have the best day ever. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Wholehearted Glow podcast today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you liked what you heard, feel free to write a review. I would love, 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 love to hear from you. And if you would like to connect on Instagram, I am at wholehearted underscore glow. Lots of daily shenanigans going on there, but also like real life stuff, coaching stuff, fitness stuff. So anything you need, that is the place to contact me directly. And I will speak with you soon. Bye.